Ciao ragazzi and benvenuti to the 25th episode of In the Shadow of Vesuvio. My name is Henry Bell and I am broadcasting from the centre of European culture that is Paisley in the west of Scotland. Um, but the, the <laughs> it's been a while since we've done this, uh, but luck- luckily we've got somebody nearly as amazing as Paisley in Scotland. We have Michele Borelli at Napoli Tickets on Twitter in Naples right now. How is beautiful Naples, Michele? Uh, it's not Paisley, you know. How, how I miss Paisley, you have no idea. I think about that every day, every day of my life. Ah, I wish I was in Scotland right now. Uh, this is not Paisley at all. Uh, so you remember, bad, so bad. remember those, oh. those those fish and chips from Enzo's, Michele, in, <laughs> yeah. in Paisley? Those Italian fish and chips made by, I don't know, Egyptian chefs? Yeah, they, yeah. Were, they were amazing, yes. yes. It is and all right, it, Enzo's in Paisley. Yeah, right. sure. It's an Italian restaurant managed by Egyptian staff who sell, which sell, what, like, English British food or something, yeah, 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 yeah mostly, yeah. yeah, like peak, peak, you know, cuisine, like British cuisine, peak Italian, everything, everything, everything amazing was, was perfect. That's the kind of multiculturalism I can, you know, that's, yeah, bring it on, man. Anyway, we haven't done a show for six weeks, Michele. What, yeah. I blame you. It's your no, fault. I blame you. I blame you, actually. It can't be six weeks. Can it be six weeks? I think, I, think it is. It is. I think it is, man, because I remember people have been getting in touch with me, asking me about the next episode for a while now. They usually just tell them the same thing, you know, like just, you know, like Henry is a exploitative here. Henry is a stupid person, you know, take it up with him. You know, it's his fault. I want to do it, but he hates you guys. That's what usually happens in my DMs. But yeah, no, we're finally here, man. Six weeks. I mean... It's been a big week for Napoli and everyone listening, like you've probably listened to about eight different podcasts already this week that have gone into great tactical detail um, about some game that happened last Friday. Um, But what we're going to do this week is that we're going to give you a, a slightly different take on it, on the, you know, the sights, the smells, the feel, the touch of Napoli sounds dirty man sounds like a porno I'm not gonna do any of this I'm just gonna talk about my experience in the stadium I don't know what this guy's implying but this is not a porno podcast not yet at least not yet which is basically what Napoli are playing apart from we're not gonna talk about what happened midweek anyway before we get on with with the kind of Naples perspective of arguably the greatest home victory in the history of the club or maybe not we can talk about that a bit later uh what is number 25 in the napoli tombola yeah well number 25 is quite easy to remember even though i didn't but number 25 is one of those numbers that everyone knows because number 25 is obviously christmas or natale natale christmas and we haven't done one since christmas have we no, no, we are really bad at this. No, we haven't recorded that Christmas podcast. We should have. How how great it would have been if we recorded number twenty five 
Natale, on Christmas, Day. on Christmas, on Christmas Day. Day. How great would that would that have been? You know, we're not that good. You know, we're not that. We, yeah, well, we're just bad at this, I guess. I don't know. Isn't it interesting that when Napoli were playing not very well last season, every week in we come, and the moment Napoli start playing well and you get very busy and I get very busy, it's every six weeks. Don't worry, this is. We were WhatsApping, weren't we? We're gonna we're gonna do this more regularly, aren't we? We're gonna try a regular recording slot every week so we can give you listeners, you know, this beautiful slick yeah. <laughs> podcast. That yeah, we're sure. Recording. We're gonna... And if you really believe that that's gonna happen, then you really don't know us. You know, we're gonna try. I'm sure we're gonna try. I'm 100 certain that there will be an attempt to do this. But really, you know, I like even if we do it like. I don't know, like once every two weeks, I would be happy. Yes, but, you know, we'll try. We'll try. Uh, honestly, like I will, I will, I want to do it. I will try because it's. I like it. I like talking to you about football. Stop it. Um, what did you eat on Christmas Day? The usual. The usual. I really don't like. So there are a few. Obviously, there are a few Christmas dishes of the Napoli I love tradition. how we're taking a Christmas <laughs> on the nineteenth. Yeah. Day. Well, I mean, I mean. <laughs> That is, I mean, it's still relevant because I'm still probably digesting everything that I've eaten during the Got Christmas it. holidays. And I still have some Christmas stuff in my fridge. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's Christmas in Napoli, man. But no, yeah, no, we, we usually have some, you know, it's called insalata di rinforzo, which is a special salad with a lot of stuff that I really don't like. Uh, so that I don't like. I like the, I don't like the healthy stuff, you know. But I like What's the all stuff the... that you don't like. Come on, you know we need detail here. I have no. I don't even know. I don't even look at it. Uh, it's like I don't know. <laughs> even look at it. I love it. You just throw it. No it's man, just, because I know, a, I know, I know what it looks. Like. I know, I know what it looks like. I know, like it's 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 a lot of colors. It's like olives. And there is a how do you call it? Cavolo, you know. But I cabbage. Like, Cabbage, yes. It's uh, olives, capperi, fish. I didn't even capers. know. Yeah, yeah, capers. Yeah, olive oil. Look at I me really with like... my my live translation. Of, uh, yeah, I mean, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Okay, but, yeah, so you yeah. have you have this cabbage no, this, salad, this, and that isn't yeah. the highlight. No, I don't like that. Yeah, that's quite. That's a lot of people love that. For some people, that's the main, the main course. You know, like the insalata di rinforzo is the name. But I really don't like that. So um, we usually on Christmas we usually do uh, seafood pasta. So um, we did that. I think uh, I can remember because it was a long time ago, almost a month ago now. But yeah, yeah. no, we had a lot of good stuff, a lot of good uh, seafood, uh, and my favorite um, Christmas dish, you would say, it's uh, sweet and it's struffoli. I don't oh, know yes. if you ever, yes, have you ever tried struffoli? Struffoli yes. are amazing. They are just um, like, how do, you, how do you even describe greatness? It's like um, fried, like small, little small um, spheres, balls of uh, wheat, I think. Yeah. And they, they get fried and then they, you put a lot of honey on them and then you put some like sugary stuff on them. They look amazing, but they taste, they taste better. So I and love the smell those as well. The smell is, is beautiful. They never, oh, yes. yeah. They, I mean, you can, you don't even have to put them in a fridge or something. You just leave them outside, and the 
problem with the truffle is that obviously they're very caloric. You know, they're very fat because it's fried and then honey. You know, it's a lot of calories. It's Christmas, mate. Okay, yeah, I mean, who cares? No, but Christmas. the problem, the problem is that you overeat them because it's they are very small. So you just go there and say, ah, oh, yeah, it's like popcorn, you know, like popcorn size. So you go there, you yeah, just yeah. say, okay, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take one, and then you eat one, and then you take another one, and then another one, and then you know, after five minutes, you finish the whole plate, you don't even realize it, and yeah, that's that's bad. But again, it's just like exclusively a Christmas, um, Christmas uh, dish. So you can overdo it during Christmas because you know that you're not gonna see them again for another year. So that's that's my mentality going into it. Attack it. Yeah, so I really don't. All out attack. So you're like the opposite. You're not like Max Allegri. You don't sort of sit back, wait, wait for the dishes to come towards you. Wait and wait and wait. No. Bore everybody senseless around the Christmas table until everyone's asleep. And then you go in and eat all the food. That's because that would be the kind of Juventino approach to, to Christmas dinner yeah. but that doesn't sound like your your approach Michele you sound mm-hmm. very a true a true Napoli tifoso yes attacking like style attacking style love it um okay that's good because we haven't talked about food for a long time if you want to mention food at any point over the next half an hour Michele please feel free listeners were always telling me about about their enjoyment of which to you is probably quite normal every day eating food but to people around the world it is uh you know something very very exciting um right where does it rank where does it rank in the games that you've seen yeah. At home. We're going to go into lots of detail listeners about the day, the, the evening, you know, everything that happened. But I want to get it started because I was, because we have such different experiences of watching this team. I've watched it mostly on my sofa, apart from that one time we watched the game together. And so I've got an idea in my head about where this ranks in terms of a home game. But you've been going to Cordova B for God knows how long. Where does it rank for you in terms of the games that you've seen in that stadium? I don't know if I have an answer for you. I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about this, but the, the reality is that I'm still I'm still processing it because really what happened in the stadium doesn't make any sense to me. Even during the game, I was, I don't know, I was just shocked because that doesn't make any sense. Like you play such a big game, probably, I mean, it has the potential to be the biggest game of the season. And maybe one of the biggest games in the history of Napoli, let's be honest. Um, I mean, it depends how the season ends, obviously. But yeah, no, that's the potential. And you are winning comfortably. I'm not stressed. I'm relaxed. I'm enjoying myself. In Curva B for such a game? What? Am I dreaming? Or, or, I don't know. Like, yeah, so I was honestly, I was shocked. I'm still shocked. It still feels like it doesn't make any sense. Um, I wouldn't shocked. know. I wouldn't know, but it's probably I, I, I would say, I mean, it has to like if I wanna if I wanna judge it objectively, I would have to say it's probably top five. At least top five. And then what's maybe near? a few more. Hmm? What's, what's close to this? What's what's close to this in terms of your your experiences of watching watching Napoli at the Stadio San Paolo as it was once known, and now the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. I've enjoyed Napoli Chelsea 3 1. Great show. 
that was in 2012, I think. It was one of the, you know, it was the first time we ever went to the round of 16 in Champions League. It was with Mazzarri, so it wasn't a big team. It wasn't that, I mean, we had Cavani, Lavezzi, sure, but then we had also, you know, Aronica, we had this kind of players, so. Salvatore. Yeah, my hero, Salvatore Aronica. So it was, it was, um, no, we were the underdogs by far. And uh, we won the game comfortably. We won 3-1. I mean, not comfortably because we went one goal down. But, you know, we won 3-1. We could have won 4-1. And we and felt like... what was the atmosphere like in the, in the stadium for that game? Crazy, crazy. Honestly, it was... It was um, I think, you know, it, sad, it, sad means, it saddens me to say this a little bit, but I think the atmosphere back then was quite better. Not just because, you, you know, like it, it's the first time you experience this kind of games, you know, it was the first season in Champions League in decades, yeah. right? I mean, ever, actually, because last time Napoli participated, it wasn't even called the Champions League. So, um, Indeed. yeah, so, you know, first times are always more intense. And uh, uh, yeah, no, there was there was great. But um, and, and actually, for me, that was huge because it was the first time I could really watch Napoli like in a bar right for, since you know since i actually became of legal drinking age you know so you know i don't know like words. yeah yeah so this one was big uh personally i have some other um some other games which i really like and even though they don't make much sense you know but i'm in terms of goals especially i've always been I will always love that Napoli Lecce where Cavani scored the goal at the last minute. That it's very intense. Oh, yes. we've, yeah, we've been talking about it for for a while now. I mean, we've we've talked about it before. But yeah, that game was was a lot. At least, I mean, it's it's it was a lot for a lot of of, of Napoli fans, but it was a lot for me personally as well because it's it was one of the first time you know one of the first season I used to go. Um, I started to go to the stadium with my with my friends. So it was quite important for me. And if you think about it, the Lecce game wasn't even that important, but the game, you know, just the goal at the end of it. We talked about it before. It was so such a beautiful, just, yeah. Yeah, such a beautiful goal, you know. So obviously I can tell you um, other, like in terms of importance, probably the, this number Juventus has been the most important because we've had big games, but this was like, you're in or you're out, you know, even though we were like already seven points ahead of Juventus. But I'm thinking about, you know, the last times we faced, um, that we were in the title race and we faced our uh, main rival at home. I don't think we ever won. I can't remember. Yeah. Like, I think, I don't think, I it's don't always think we been ever, true. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, so, yeah. I was so nervous. I don't even live in the city and like, I was incredibly nervous. Um, before I start to quiz you, because you were saying before, yeah, she still can't really re- remember it <laughs> because it was such a... Uh, but before I start to irritate you with lots of questions about it, you know, Piazza Plebiscito in 60 years, and we're walking across it and we're discussing this season. What's the, what's the one thing you're going to remember from that game, do you think, when you're 100? I mean, just the importance of the game and the importance of, of the result. I wouldn't say there's been one single moment 
which I can just highlight from the game. It's just the game in general, you know, the the days before the game, how you talk about the game, how important it is, how everyone believes that we could we can win, but how unprecedented it is to do so, and how it ended up being easy. It's <laughs> so weird to say. It was easy. Yeah. It was an easy win. It's it's crazy. You know, that second half was game. just yeah. So in fact, I've just found the message is that you sent me a message at 19 minutes past nine saying the fuck is going on. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think sums it up. So that would have been like the second half. I think that's probably when the fourth goal went in. Anyway, um, so I want to go through this a bit because, you know, the, the football's been analysed, but I'm interested in the experience in, in the stadium. Um, and you sent me a video which we posted on the old, in the shadow, at Shadow of Vesuvio on Twitter, right. which is our Twitter account. Please give us a follow, everybody. And, you know, 4,000 people have viewed that, uh, Michele, and it got quite a big response. So you were there in, in Corvo B. Tell me about the... the the day itself, the build-up to it. You woke up. How did you get there? How early did you get there? You must have been really busy, right? There must have been loads of people that that had tickets and stuff that you had to sort out and stuff. Yeah, it was a busy game. It was a busy day as well. Um, so one of the... I mean, I was discussing this with uh, a few friends because I told them as well the same thing. One of the good or bad things about this this job is that I don't really think about the game, at least on the sports side of the game. I don't really think about it until like one hour before kickoff now, hmm. because because I'm worried about you know all the tickets and all the customers. So yeah. uh, usually I would I would obsess about games for days before like such a game. It would monopolize my 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 brain for for days, you know, before especially because obviously we've been on a break or such a long break, and yeah, so it's such a big game as well. But this time I couldn't really think about it. You know, it was there's a lot to do, and um, yeah, I I I really started to feel it on the day, like in the evening. Um, you really, I think you really start to get into it once you start seeing those black and white shirts. Like you mm. get inside the stadium, you know, until you see the enemy. Let's say um, you don't really feel it. At, I think, you know, because you go to the, especially at least for me, you know, because you go to the stadium every time, maybe before it was a little bit different because the stadium used to be full, just a handful of times per season. Now it's full all the time. Even like a small game is sold out. So before I remember like a big game, it would be sold out and it would be such a surprise, you know, it would be quite rare and you could start getting into it before because it's, you know, the atmosphere of all the big games, stadium is full. So you get into it way before that. Now it's always full. So you go, into, you go inside the stadium, you see this full stadium. If you go every week, you kind of, you know, it's kind of a habit. But then the team starts to warm up and you see those black and white, the ugly, those ugly black and white stripes uh, getting out of the tunnel and starting to warm up. And then you, okay, you, you feel yeah, it. Okay. And, I, and then you start thinking about, okay, it's happening. Um, I haven't seen know? I haven't seen many Napoli Juventus in the stadium in my life. I was I was mentioning it to my friends because it's I've used to prefer going to smaller games for a few reasons. Uh, I mean, 
first of all, because it's cheaper. And when I was a student, I couldn't afford going to big games. So I, I would prefer going to small games because of that. And the second reason is that for big games, I mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to be too bad about it, but let's say that big games tend to attract the kind of fan who is not really used to watching games live. And right. I don't have anything against that. It's just the atmosphere feels a little bit different. It is weird, and I think it's very noticeable that smaller games with maybe half the half the attendance have a bigger, in my opinion, a better atmosphere than these kind of games. You know, games like Napoli Juventus with a full stadium. Um, I think I think it's very easy to notice once you attend both. And uh, yeah, I tend I still tend to prefer smaller games. How about this one though? How about this one? That was I mean, again. I will tell you, in like, I mean, at the end of the season for sure. But so far, it just feels weird. It just feels weird. You know, it's just, it's such a big game. I went into it being very worried. I, I went into it very, being worried because historically, Napoli has never won this kind of games, as we, as we said. And we were so bad so, against Center. It was like, we haven't, we haven't talked about that Inter game. I was yeah. really worried about Napoli after Inter because we didn't create anything. We looked terrified we desperately missed mario ray i never thought i would ever say that out loud but we missed his katsima we missed his personality we missed his palette you know we missed everything about him and we just looked spooked didn't we so i was there and that sort of form of uve there's eight one nails so uve like isn't it uve Merda? but the whole thing just felt written in the stars to be a kind of disaster did you notice anything different about the atmosphere on you know in Forigrotta, you know an hour before or two hours before, did you notice anything different about the way that the fans were going to the stadium, the way that people were talking? Was there a was there a tension around? Do you think, or was it just your kind of standard sellout feel? No, as I said, you know you tend to notice that a lot of people are going to the stadium, but those are people who have never been to the stadium. Not all of them, but most of them, I would say. So you get you notice people being nervous, but for the most part, I what I noticed was that people being very happy of making such an experience, of actually experiencing such a big game. Getting tickets for this game wasn't easy. So if you got one ticket for this game, you know, you would be happy, you know, very happy already, even before kickoff. So yeah, okay, I, that's cool. what I that's what I noticed. But in terms of in terms, I would say in terms of being nervous and being stressed about the actual outcome of the game. I think I didn't really feel that. I mean, not me, but I really didn't feel that around the stadium in Forigrotta before the game. I would say even that probably the game before the break, which game was that? Napoli Udinese, I think. Napoli Udinese with the game which we won, what, 3-2, three, three right? Napoli Udinese, yeah, yeah. yes. We went 3-0 we went up and then they scored. That was, that was much more intense. Napoli Dinesia was much, much more intense than Napoli Juventus. That was when people were crying out of the tension in that second half. That yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, so you had a lot of tickets to give out. So, like, did you manage to get into the stadium in good time, or were yes, you? Yes, actually. Yeah. Yes. So yes, talk us through what Curva B felt like before the game, <clears throat> and if you can, from my sort of armchair perspective maybe give us a bit of context on the bouncing chant. Um, uh-huh. What that is, when did that start? You know, in terms of 
was that happening a lot before the game and stuff? Like, just maybe explain a little bit about that and just what the general atmosphere was like in Kurva B before before kickoff. The bouncing chant. I mean, I yeah, think like, I know what you mean, but there is, but there are a lot of bouncing chants. Okay, I think I have one in mind. I will I will tell you about it. So, so that's the first thing I noticed about the stadium was that sadly, some ultras groups were missing. So now I there are no official news about it because Napoli's ultras are very secretive. They don't really share their internal news. But I have a theory. So I don't know if you heard about it, but Napoli ultras fought with Roma ultras yeah. near Genova. I think it was in Tuscany actually. On the, so they fought right uh, in the middle uh, of the Auno, yeah, right in the middle of the biggest uh, motorway in Italy. They blocked the traffic for like 45 minutes. It was a big deal in Italy. A lot of people uh, talked about it. It was like, it went into oh, yeah. the mainstream media. The minister talked about it. So I think a lot of people were arrested because of that. A lot of people are banned from the stadium because of that. And sadly, so what I noticed on when I went inside the stadium was that there were some banners missing. So if you if you don't know about this, basically each ultras group has its own banner and they show it so you can see it in the pictures of curva curva b not curva but just curva b they just show it like fedain is one group uh sicko viva is another group uh ultras 72 is another group all these groups all together they they are very independent from each other but obviously when they're in curva b together they collaborate to to chant sure. together right so yeah. the biggest one, I think, I don't want to say anything wrong, but I think based on my experience, the biggest one, I think, would be the Ultra 72 group in Curva B. And those are the ultras who actually subscribe to the Napoli Fidelity Card, which allows them to attend away games. So the Sampdoria game was one of those games with, with heavy restrictions, so only people with the Fidelity Card could go. That means that Ultra 72, I think, went to that game. And Curva A Ultras, who all have the Fidelity card, went to that game, in my opinion. So, which means that those are the people involved in the clashes with the. Who could have been involved, yeah. Right, right. So, and by coincidence, I, for the Napoli Juve game, there were no Curva uh, banners. So, there were some Ultras inside because some chants were actually originating from Curva. But uh, I had a friend there who told me that there were like not a lot of them. So I think a lot of them were missing because of what I just described. There were no yeah. flags and banners in Curva. And in Curva B, oddly enough, there were banners of all Ultras groups except Ultras 72. So if you see pictures from the game, there are all the banners. And then there is just a big gap right in the middle of the Curva B uh, in terms of you know, banners being hanging from the from the section. And that is where the Ultra 72 banner used to um, being displayed, right? And wh why I'm talking about this? I'm talking about this because probably this is going to be a change for a few months, if not years. And that affects a lot of uh, Napoli fans, especially because the Ultra 72 were the group which used to bring the drums in Curva B. So uh, for the whole, yeah, right. So for the whole game, there were no drums in Curva B. There are still is some chance, you know, but it's much, much harder to chant without without drums. Yeah, you need I'm just thinking of 
Usaro Conte, you need to dum, 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 right? Dum, yeah, dum, yeah, dum, exactly. Yeah. So you I think a lot of okay. yeah, I should I should probably bring my own drum there, but it's it's yeah. So I think unless something changes, I think the drums are gonna be missing from Curva B for a for a while. I I don't know. Again, this is my just my opinion because I don't know anything about it. I'm just speculating, but I think I mean, it makes sense. I think you've, you've yeah you've definitely put together a persuasive argument there. If I was marking your your if I was grading your essay, Michaela, I'd be like you know it's a good example of analytical thinking, um, evidence based. So, I mean, I just saw on the TV you had a lot of people bouncing up and down, and there's a kind of I could hear Juventino. I think I mean uh-huh. is that there's that chant, isn't there? Just or am I? Did I get this right? Did I get this wrong? Was that going on? Yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of anti-Juve chants. So, uh, what is that particular bounce? Is it what bounce if you're not a Juventino? Is it that sort of thing? Or I mean, yeah, I mean the the, the classic chant is, "Chi non salta Juventino è," right? I mean, you say that for all the rivals who come to, to the Maradona Stadium. Like, if you don't jump, you are insert the name of the rival. So in this case, if you don't jump, you are a Juventino, and uh, I mean, obviously, when you chant that everyone participates everyone like you could see de la Rentis jumping at one point i don't know if you saw it on television yeah, but it was did, actually yeah. was, was actually jumping because he was following that chance so yeah and uh, the whole stadium participates because really who wants to be a juventino um there are a Those few other right yes there are a few other jumping chants uh there is a big one which i really like and it's one chant which basically starts so obviously, as you know, in Curva B, you stand during the whole game. This chant starts with the ultras asking fans to sit down. So everyone sits down. I you remember start, this. You remember that, right? And yeah, then yeah. you start doing like, you start saying, oh, yeah, you, yeah, you, you get ready for it, you know, a big crescendo. And uh, then you stop. You stay silent for like five, ten seconds. And then you start chanting la 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 la, and then at one point everyone starts to jump all together. I think it's really entertaining to see this from outside because in curva you just jump, you don't see it, but from outside you see this like I don't know, like five thousand people all of a sudden just literally erupting and starting jumping all together from the the a seated position. So it's really nice to see and it's quite fun. It's an away chant. It's also a home chant, so it's quite fun to do. It's nice. quite quite fun to to hear to see. It's 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 very nice. Yeah, I don't know if you were referring to this chant, but I love it. It's really fun. No, yeah, this is great. And and presumably all this was going on like in in the build up and during during the game. What um so kickoff happens and like what's the kind of chat around the curva ahead of the game? Like what would how would you kind of sum up the sorts of feelings that are in the cover was it a sense of oh fuck are we, can we, is this going to happen or was it like actually this is what's going on you know we we actually could do this or is it just usual cover stuff that's got nothing to do with anything so i would say you know like no matter how you feel before the game starts and in my case i would feel like i was feeling a little bit uh i wouldn't say pessimistic but I am ashamed to say that at one point I started I started thinking, you know, a tie wouldn't be the end of the world because you mm-hmm. know you keep them seven points behind. I think it's objectively yeah, correct yeah, yeah. to 
think about that. I didn't want that, but at one point, I like the idea of accepting a tie started, you know, flirting with me, and I didn't reject it. Um, but no matter how you feel before kickoff, once the game starts, there is one just one thing in your mind that is that the win. You know, you want to win. Doesn't matter you who you're facing. You know, at the end of the day, it's just 11, 11 players against eleven players. We're all human, so I mean. You know, football is a great game. It's a great sport also because the smaller team can and does win sometimes. So no matter, no ma- you know, and in Curva especially, you also have the feeling of participating to the game you know, actively. So you just focus on that and you focus on the fact that you want to win. No matter what, what the rival is, no matter how the game is going, at the start of the game, just one thing in your mind, you want to you win. And that's how everyone felt, you know. And fortunately, we didn't have to wait too long to to celebrate the first goal because it was well, like 15 minutes and then 14 minutes, 14 minutes, and then Osimhen scored. So after that, after that, you start feeling. I think a lot of people were a little bit scared. I mean, because obviously it's always Juventus, and you know, like yeah. wins against Juventus are great, but then lo- losses against Juventus are so bad, so bad. You know, like you leave the stadium completely destroyed. You really don't want to see Juventus celebrating a win. I didn't. Uh, I couldn't face believe. that idea. The idea of losing this game to me—it just—I was nervous about it for days. And anyway, yeah, um, disgusting. So a lot of people I were. I would say a lot of people were afraid of Juventus. Not just it's because it's, it's Juventus, but also because we all knew that Juventus was coming from seven, eight or seven wins in a row. They didn't concede eight, eight wins in a row in a row and eight clean sheets in a row. So. Mm. After we scored the first goal, we were like, okay, it's actually doable. We can actually score against this guy. It's actually possible to score against Juventus. So after that, we all went, you know, we were fully invested in the win. We were like, okay, this actually happened. We can actually Oh, really? So that goal, because it's quite early to score, isn't it? So there's two ways of thinking about that, isn't there? There's like, oh, we've scored too early. Oh, shit. Or it's like, actually, this is... So it was actually that kind of wave of this is going to happen. It was, it was, and also I think in the stadium you never think about ah oh, it's too early. You know, once you score, then the ball goes to in the midfield, the game starts again, and then you start cheering again because you won the second one, and then the third one, and then the fourth yeah. one, and if you're lucky enough, you get to see a fifth one. So I think uh, uh, I read an interview from I think Osimhen today, and he kind of said that I don't know if it's standard, you know, players interview response, but he actually said the reason why we won with such a big victory, such a large victory is because of the fans, because the fans were behind us. I mean, obviously, as an ab- I mean, I noticed right? that yeah. watching on TV. The, the atmosphere never went down. It was up and it stayed up, you know. I think probably what, what surprised me the most, even I surprised myself, uh, because you don't really anticipate what kind of feelings you're going to feel during games. And I would say, I mean, I've, I've seen a few games which Napoli won with like four, five, six goals. And to be honest, after a while, after you feel that the game is won, so maybe after the fourth goal, maybe like after you score four, I mean you, I mean you win. I mean it's hard to tie four four, you know, or, or lose five four. So if you score four goals, you, you're, I mean, you're, it's done. You know, in your mind, it's done. You won, and you start celebrating. So in these games, after you score f- four, five, or six, after the fourth, you know, you don't really celebrate anymore. You kind mm-hmm. of club, you're happy, but after the four, from the fourth goal on, you kind of, I mean, it's all the same. It just feels the same, you know? It's just like a big celebration 
just continuing. You don't really celebrate goals anymore because the tension is gone. So I would say what makes you celebrate goals is the tension. It is the tension, right? Because it breaks the tension. Oh, yeah. It's just like a big release and you celebrate yeah. it. Um, Was that the case here? No. That's the thing. Like it's for Napoli Juve, we celebrated all five goals exactly the same. Exactly the same. Last minute winners in the Champions League final sort sort of thing. Right. I mean, we you win, yeah, exactly. You win four one. You you start thinking, okay, the game is won, but actually not. You know, like I was I was I mean, reasonably sure that we would win the game with the fourth goal, even though you never know. You know what I say when Napoli wins, is Napoli is when Napoli is winning by three or four goals, I, I, I just say, you know, this either, so this game, whatever happens now, this game is going to be historic because we either win 4-1 and then it's just a historic win or we tie after leading 4-1 yeah, yeah, yeah. and We're it's a historic, exactly. So, no, but, it, you know, we just kept going and, you know, we celebrated the fourth goal like it was the first and we celebrated the fifth goal like it was the first. And people kept saying, now we're the sixth, now we're the sixth. You know, like it was actually not just to punish Juventus, but it was, it was you know, such an important game. It was, and people know, were having fun, I think. Like, it was I, presumably a good laugh. Exactly, yeah, 100%. 100%. But you also send a, a message to the, to, the, to the league. You send a message to Juventus, you know, that you demolish them, you humiliate them. And Milan. Five goals, you know, they all... Like, yeah, Milan it, as well. Yeah, the, the league as a whole. You just tell them, you know, I mean, this is my season. This is and my game. I just, I don't this is my house. This is my house. And that's it. It was interesting. I, on TV, I noticed after five minutes, Kim did this incredible tackle on um, Di Maria just on the halfway line. I don't know if you remember that. And like he, he crunched him basically and he won the ball. And I thought that was. Oh, I'm doing game analysis, I'm sorry. But that was like, for me, a really significant moment to say, sorry, mate, you may have won a World Cup, but you're in my house yeah. and you don't do that here. I mean, I know he did score a goal, he did play quite well, Di Maria, but I thought that was such a big moment. And that came from the fans. And interestingly, the, the video that you sent me that you can see on our Twitter account, at Shadow of Vesuvio, um, that was after the fifth goal. And yeah. you had all those phones being lit up and, and it did feel like the entire stadium singing, Saro Conte, right? Is that is that what happened? I think it was really random. That's that's why I took a video of it. It was very a very random. I think a few people started flashing, uh, you know, their phone, and they started just showing the, you know, the just activating the flashlight, maybe recording videos, and then it just it just escalated from there. And after after thirty seconds, the whole stadium was 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 lit. I don't know what happened, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a significant, I think it's just like probably generic, general enthusiasm for, for the season, for the game, for the result. Uh, it was odd. I'll be honest, I've never seen anything like it inside, I mean, at least in Napoli. It was very odd, but I don't think it's a coincidence that it happened for that game. Because, I don't know, man, it's just, it's, it, it felt magical. You know, it just been incredible. The whole stadium lighting and that song as well. And so you know, weird, sometimes, though. sometimes that song is sung, and there's a kind of sense of of melancholy to it, like you know, Napoli torna, you know, and all that stuff. And sometimes it doesn't feel that there's that belief that they're going to return. But there was something about the way that it was sung, without being too theatre director here. But like, there was something about 
the way that you know if you direct a musical right everybody like you don't just sing songs you also work with the actors to say the words of the song and work on their intentions and the emotions and stuff behind it and so obviously there's different ways that you can sing something different emotions you can put into a song um and it, it felt like the kind of intention the motivation of that song was belief i think instead of that slightly you know maybe even ironic moments when that that can happen in in previous years did it feel like a, a moment of like shared belief or was it just very unusual i think it was i think this kind of game you know the atmosphere is very unique because as i told you most of the stadium not maybe not most but a lot like a big part of the stadium is made of people who have never experienced a big game and never experienced maybe the stadium you know so uh, it, it definitely feels different. It definitely feels different. It doesn't feel like the usual people are there, let's say. But yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of the kids, a lot of families. It did feel like people believed. Uh, I think it's too early to say, though, you know, it's just, yeah. Well, you know, I'm it's not talking generally... about that specific moment, that specific moment in time. And we're not we're not saying anything about the biggest season, but at that moment, it was seventy six minute or whatever, whenever it happened, it, that did seem like something quite special. I think that I agree. Like, no matter what happens in this season, I think that's going to be quite a hard moment to forget. I think um, we've been talking quite a long time. I just want to talk about Osimhen and Cavalcelia together. What was it like seeing those two? Uh, you know, you know your kind of in-stadium perspective of seeing those two. I mean, for me, they're such a special duo. They do things that nobody else does in the world. They're these beautifully idiosyncratic players that seems to be working fantastically together. And that thrill of, I mean, Kavalek and the way he's so direct and the be- that very beginning of the second half where he just took on Danilo and made him like an absolute idiot. What's it like to watch that, like in the stadium? Was there anything that jumped out to you about the way that those two play, or any particular moments? I think what I loved about it was just the passion they put into the game. You know, I love when players feel the intensity with which we, from the sections, from the stands, um, watch the game, and I love that they can make it their own and just put it on the pitch. I love that. So I think that's what happened during that game. They actually felt the energy. I know, I mean, it feels really, really cheesy to say that probably, but I honestly think that that happens, especially f- for these games. I do feel that the, the the fans have an impact. I do feel that this is one of those games where without fans, the result would be much, much different. So yeah. I love how these guys are very young they're very emotional and sometimes it's not that good you know uh, I think Varsela is also quite um, I mean I don't want to say hot-headed but even the celebration he had after the goal you know just oh, silencing yeah. you know like well, why do you do that I mean still you know like it, Ossiman, I think Ossiman is starting to focus his energy into you know positive yeah, uh, I agree. Positive, yeah, right. Positive reactions, positive, positive uh, uh, things in general. You know, like I, I, I see him giving advice to other players. I see him, I see him celebrating in a way I've never seen before, to be honest. But I see him also supporting his teammates. 
And uh, you know, this the kind of player, this the player who got a red card at the beginning of the season, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I do feel like he's maturing a lot. I do feel like he now understands how good he is, how important he is for the team. Even though, even though when he was injured, we won all games. Yeah, but he's important. He's important, but um, but he's I mean, leading. He's, he's beginning he's to see. Leading. He seems I agree. to be a bit more of a lead on, but yeah. Um, okay. Afterwards, then. No, but I want to talk about Mario Rui, please. Please. Oh fuck! We have to with the fourth goal in particular. I mean, Please. Tell I me, mean, just okay. Just you have the floor because I've I was on another podcast talking about stuff. I was on the Gentleman Ultra podcast recently. Do check it out. It was a really good interview. I think Frank's amazing guy that does it, and I devoted a good five minutes to to Mario uh, because I just I do love him. He is my captain. Uh, we do have a campaign at, in the Shadow of Vesuvia to make I think Mario Rui the the club captain, maybe honorary life club captain. You have the floor, Michele. Let's let's give Mario some love. I think Mario Rui is the shadow captain of the team. I think Mario Rui is just great. You know, I this is the kind of things I love to see from players when they. So basically, this is the fourth goal, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's the goal where Ozyman scored with the header, and on from Karakelia's assist. But people like people. Rightly so, celebrate Kvarak's assist, which was amazing, just like so precise. Perfect cross, absolutely perfect. Yeah, they pr- right, they praise Ozyman's header, which was amazing as well. Just a, such a good header, you know, the movement there. He called for that pass, and he just like he jumped in between those two defenders, and it was he jumped so high and it was so precise. I love that kind of goal. I think it was my favorite goal in the whole yeah. the whole game. Same but man. ladies and gentlemen, would people haven't hasn't haven't talked about at least enough for me is where that goal comes from because Juve has the ball and then Mario Rui all alone starts pressing who was the player Alexandro who was the player I don't remember it was Bremer it was part of his Bremer. absolute shocker it was one of the worst games I've seen from center back since beautiful since Franco Baresi melted down against Maradona when uh, Napoli won four one against Milan. Anyway, beautiful podcast. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, he got it off. You know, the guy who was Serie A defender of the year last season, right? And then he just lost. You know, Rui all alone just starts charging against him. He doesn't know what to do. He just try tries to make a long pass, but it just it gets intercepted by Rui who again. Is pressing alone. He's pressing alone with a lot of energy, a lot of aggressiveness, a lot of Katsima, if you will. Katsima. And, that's all I think about when I when I see him on the pitch. Right, you brought, and, you yeah. brought this into my life. I I I, just, I love it. I love how that led to Clara recovering the ball and after a few seconds just passing it to Asimen who who scores that, that amazing goal. That goal never happens without Mario Rui, and yet people are just praising, I mean, rightly so, but they are just praising Osimen and Kvara, and that's not right. I mean, I understand how they are the flashiest players in our team. They are young, they are amazing players, they are so energetic, and they, they are so technically uh, gifted, but Mario Rui creates that goal by himself. He's, Mario Rui alone decides to go press, and he succeeds, and we score such an amazing goal. For such an important goal as well. 
such a message to his teammates as well, doesn't it? And that's that I was talking about the intergame and we look so flat. And I think a lot of it that was because he wasn't in the team. But that goal, I mean, even though we were 3-1 up, I texted my mate and I was just like, it's 3-1, but it could be, it's not over yet. And so that goal was incredibly important. I totally yeah. agree. What do the rest of the guys in the curva, the guys and gals in the curva make of dear Mario? The usual, the usual, you know, the usual celebrations before before kickoff, yeah. during warm-up, but you don't really focus on individual players during the game, so... Um, and don't he's, forget he's, that... Is he highly thought of in, in the Chita? You know, you know, if you were to go to a, a bar full of Napoli fans and the, you start talking to them and you say that your favourite player is Mario Rui, what, would that go down well? Or would they, <laughs> they think you're think... weird? I don't think a lot of people would would answer Mario Rui as their favorite player in Napoli. You know, like Quara is great. I mean, yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. I'm but... gonna get the shirt, Michele. I've decided. Like, if <laughs> if if I yeah, want to remember yeah. the season with yes. a with a shirt, it's gonna be a. Or I might not get the Valentine shirt, which at the time I thought was a hideous spectacle of disgustingness, but now I I quite like the idea of a Mario. Rui Valentine shirt, but I, I'm not going to shell out 150 euros for that. Um, okay, very quickly, because, you know, I do want to talk a bit about what happened midweek and also what's coming up at the weekend. Um, after the game, what was the, how long did you all stay behind for and just paint a picture of the post match in the stadio, Diego yeah. Maradona, Napoli 5, Juventus 1. Yeah, so we stayed inside the stadium for a while. I like, when the stadium, you know, slowly gets empty after the game, it's just like a post post coitus, you know. Just, just... <laughs> steady on. You said we weren't going to do this, but you know, you're... <laughs> no man, but it is. You are like just there. You're just there, exhausted but happy. Uh, you know, you don't have any energy, though. but you're so happy. Yeah, you just. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> May it just be shame, embarrassment, and no, I'm joking. Okay, cool. So there was this. There was this glow. There was this glow. Yeah, exactly. What what I personally like to do on Friday, last Friday, was just staring at UEFA fans in the away section. So we don't get a lot of away fans in the away section on uh, for Napoli games. People don't really travel. They don't really come to Napoli. I think it's a very uncomfortable away game for away fans, so I don't really blame them. But, yeah, no, for this game, there were a, like a thousand UEFA fans. Uh, they were the usual UEFA fans, you know, they're like bland stupid chance, you know, this kind of stuff. But um, after the game, you know, it's just, I, I love to, you know, it was just a great view. Just like those thousand, a thousand UF fans saying put and silent in their away section, knowing that they've just lost 5-1, that they are 10 points behind the leader of the table. And for me personally, you know, I, I get great joy from the fact that they would, after the game ends, if you're a away fan, you have to remain inside the stadium for like an hour, an hour and a half. And I just yeah. love that, you know, I just love that. They, they've just <laughs> lost 5-1 and they have to stay inside the stadium for another hour, hour and a half. I love it, you know, I love it. I would have, I would have stayed with them forever, you know, just looking at them and say, yeah, that happened, that happened. So yeah, that gives me great joy. There was but, there was once a know, film that just followed Zidane on the pitch. It was just what, there was these cameras that was just on him for the whole game soundtrack by a great Glaswegian band called Mogwai. And um, 
maybe they should do the same, but just with just cameras on the Juve fans for the whole of the, the <laughs> five one. I, I would pay good money to watch to watch that film. So you were I just you would, love it. I just love it because I love the out. idea. Yeah, I just saying them because I love the idea. You know, these are people who are not from Turin, obviously. These are people who chose to support Juventus in enemy's territory, especially perhaps from Campania, you know, like you're surrounded by Napoli fans and you choose to support Juventus, you know, the eternal rival of of your city, basically, you know. And uh yeah, and I goes mean, to the stadium in a UV shirt. Right, exactly. And uh, yeah, and also I just I, I love it because UV fans are like generally speaking, they're quite arrogant because obviously they have the arrogance of the fan who has won it all and the arrogance of the fan who is generally superior because i mean they are i mean i mean on the pitch at least you know like they have like 99 times out of 100 they have the better team they have the better players better um club better stadium everything so they have that kind of arrogance better accountants Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's going to be a story for another day. That's but yeah, no, that's so I love when, you know, they, they choose Juventus because it's a winning team and then they lose 5-1. I love it. It's just that it's great. It gives me a lot of joy to, to experience and to, to be the reason why those fans are sad at the end of a, of a, of a game. So yeah, no, I love that. I love that. But obviously after the game, we went to a pub, we talked about the, the game, we we are still in shock. Hey, Ken. Yeah, with, yeah, with Ken. Unfortunately, Ken was at the game. But you, Ken. Yes. So yeah, we talked about the game a lot. We 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 just enjoyed it. You know, I think we were most of us were in shock. I am I am particularly happy when these kind of games happen, not just because obviously I'm a Napoli fan, so I'm happy when Napoli wins, but also because I think about all these fans who've come. Especially the ones who come from all around the world, not just Napoli fans from Italy. They come, so maybe they experience the stadium for the first, second, or even like third time. And they get to see such a big game. I'm so happy for them. It's, it's for me, an unforgettable experience. But I can't even start to imagine how big of an experience it is for someone who's experiencing the stadium for the first for the second time it's amazing like dom, i love it dom from napoli twitter he's a big guy on napoli twitter he was over his timeline was full of stuff i think it was his first time in the stadium i, mean, I think imagine... it was yeah I met, I met dom i met dom i gave him the ticket so yeah, yeah. I, met, I met dom and yeah it was the first time he he watched the game with daniel bowen so dan, yeah it was in good Mario, company. There was, it was really cool to see the whole and we've got to give dan's um dan's got a youtube ch- channel dan and his son mario uh napoli nation tv it's cool mm. go watch subscribe everybody um yeah okay i mean we could talk for hours and hours and hours about this but i'm gonna i'm gonna instill some control in this proceedings but wow. um Really? So it was all it was all great, and then we played a Coppa d'Italia game against Cremonese. Spalletti makes ten changes, go one nil down, two one up, two two in the last minute, and Lobotka doesn't take a very good penalty. Bless him, I still love you, Stanislav. Don't worry. Um, and we're out of the Coppa. Different ways of looking at it. Like one is good, less games. And we've lost the game after the euphoria, which means Spalletti can get his teeth into the squad and say, oi, 
don't get complacent. Come on, let's go to Salernitana and we need to play well. Or losing is never a good idea. Winning is a habit and it's a good habit to stay in. What what fence are you on, Michele? So I really don't know, to be honest. I think it's too early to tell. I am obviously not happy about what happened. I don't really care too much about Coppa Italia and I don't I don't really care what people say. Yeah, it's a trophy, but come on. I mean, do you really want to compare Coppa Italia with I don't know, Champions League or the Scudetto? Obviously, obviously. Particularly this season, I think, with the fact that we're competing in, yeah. in Europe, we're competing in the league, like the Coppa Italia is not the focus this season. But I'm sure there are moments. I remember when we first won it when we came back up and that was a great, that was a great day. It was a great, it was a great trophy, but not this season. But Coppitale, I think it's mostly the competition for teams who, who don't really have any other objective. You know, like when we won Coppitalia, we weren't really fighting for anything. We weren't really in the title race. So, yeah, I mean, you win Coppitalia because you don't, you are not fighting for anything else. And I mean, it's objectively the least important competition of the season because everyone plays reserves in Coppa Italia and at least until the semifinals yeah. uh, everyone just plays their backups their whole bench and yeah I think I think probably Spalletti overdid it but I also think when, when I saw the lineup I didn't really blame him because again first of all it's Coppa Italia second of all if you don't play these people in Coppa Italia when are you gonna play them you know it's they are yeah. still important players because we don't really have useless players in the team I really wanted to want to get Ano to do well. I don't maybe not Zerbin. I don't think we really need Zerbin. I, I like really I like Gaetano. and he was playing out of a position. I don't think he's a deep lying midfield player myself personally, but that's just me. I agree, um, but I think Spalletti doesn't see him as an attacking midfielder. Spalletti yeah. wants him as a regista, as a Lobotka basically. And uh, yeah, you can see Gaetano struggling to do that. At one point during the game, Spalletti was was screaming, yelling at Gaetano to stay put, don't move, and just help the defenders build up. And uh, yeah, after that, he started to do that. But again, I mean, he's been training with Napoli for a long time, and you need your coach during the game to tell you that. It's yeah, I mean, that's kind of not really encouraging to see. But yeah, no, I mean, it was it was a bad game. I think we were quite unlucky because we had a lot of chances and uh, we didn't really take advantage of them. But then again. We had a team who we had ten players on the pitch who never eleven players on the pitch really who yeah. never played with each other. So again, and they haven't should... played this year really. So if you think you know, you've uh, had yeah, Inter, exactly. Juve has been pretty much the same team. So yeah, yeah. So it's you know, I mean, you still still win against Cremonese because also you Cremonese should. wasn't really starting their best players, and uh, you know, it's Cremonese. They don't really. I mean, they have. Other things they, to think they about. They have in, in the league. Have they, the, yeah, um, they have dead last. The shirts, Michele, what do you make of the... No, I don't want to talk about the shirts, please. I mean, what what, they, what is there to say? Ugliest masterpiece. Unbelievable. I mean, I really like... I watched them and I think, who, who does this? I mean, who, who's, who is paid to create this? It's unbelievable to me. It's just like, it's, I don't know. It's just a, such a masterpiece. I was I being know, provocative. Yeah. I was being provocative on Twitter, saying that's a masterpiece. And some people did nibble, including a great guy on Twitter called James, and he's actually a graphic designer. 
and <laughs> culture historian. And he was just so offended by the lack of aesthetic and value in those shirts. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. Let's not, let's not Great. think about them too much. No, please. Um, so, yeah, no, but, I do think that probably, I, I hope he's not going to leave a mark. Uh, I mean, it could go two ways, right? As you said, it could either make the players aware of the fact that they're actually fallible and so make them aware that they have to always play 100% to win games, no matter the rival. It's either Juventus or Cremonese, it doesn't matter. If you don't play, if you don't put your heart into it, you're not going to win. And that is something that Spalletti has said in the past. You know, like this team is not... I mean, he, says that, he says that all the time. And that yeah. it always proves true. You know, this is a kind of team which can't really relax. We we are not really able to control the game. We have to always attack, attack, attack. We always have to try to dominate the game in an attacking way. We are not the kind of team who, which can just score one and sit back and control. You know, we are not that kind of team at all. So I really don't think. A poor blood pressure, Michele. What's it going to be like come June? Oh, my days. Uh, we're going to have to have our blood pressure checks, I think, every every week. What? Um, yeah, but there I- are reasons to be optimistic about that because it's Napoli. I mean, even the Juve game, you know, there have been a few games this season, a lot of games this season where Napoli had to win. It was a must-win game, you know, against Milan in Milan. Against that Liverpool at home, against Roma, Ajax, home Roma away. away. It was nil nil to like eight second minute, and then Ossie remember that wonderful goal. Yeah, yeah, right. And we always, always delivered, with the exception of Inter. Yeah, uh, on the fourth of January. But it was but the best time to not deliver was then. I actually. guess, yeah, I guess. But so yeah, no, I think this is a team which can handle the pressure. I think the opposite happened. It was probably the lack of pressure. Against Cremonese, which, yeah. which you know, caused what we all saw. Uh, I think that's a good, really good point, actually, because to go from that Juve game to that must be very difficult. So coming up the weekend, we've got Salernitana away, pretty local, local derby. It's pretty feisty, this right as a rivalry, is it? Or the the fans don't really get on, do they? No, they really don't. They really don't. They really don't. But it's kind of one-sided. So we don't really like Salernitana for historic reasons. You know, my father always tells me about, for example, when Napoli used to lose Scudetti against the northern teams in the um, Milan Inter Juventus in the 80s, for example. Avellino, Salernitana, they would celebrate hard every time Napoli lost a Scudetto, you know, like with like celebrations in the street and stuff like that. So yeah, no, that it's that kind of rivalry. Um, I would say nowadays it's mostly one-sided because, for example, for me, you know, like I didn't, I didn't experience the eighties, and mm-hmm. I grew up with a Napoli who rarely faced Salernitana. So I really have no reasons to, I mean, to hate Salernitana from a sporting. I, I don't even know Salernitana fans. I don't even know one Salernitana fans. So I really have no, you know, contact with this kind of rivalry but yes so it's mostly one-sided i mean i don't want to i don't want to be like i don't want to sound arrogant like oh yeah they care about us but we don't care about them i think it's somewhat normal in this kind of dynamics because obviously we are a bigger team objectively we are a bigger team and yeah we have other we have we have we have other objectives let's say you know obviously we are fighting for the title 
So uh, the game against Salernitana is as important as a game against a solo or Empoli or whatever. For them, obviously, you know, their fans uh, really feel this game. It's like Cagliari, you know, like their fans really care about this. So yeah, they don't have really they don't have much to fight for. I mean, obviously, they they fight not to get relegated, but other than that, these games become much more important. I remember that. I remember when Napoli went to Serie A first in like 2007 or whatever. Um, this, like the games against the big teams, we didn't really fight for anything. You know, like the first the first year we finished seventh or eighth. We went to Inter Toto Cup. And yeah. uh, the big games against Inter, Milan, against Juventus, those were the events. Those were the games which could make or break the whole season. Those were the games which you would remember. I still remember. You know, we won against Milan 3-1 that season. We won against Inter 1-0. The Inter, you know, the champions at the time. You're saying that you the... don't remember the Salernitana games, Michele? I, I don't mean... remember. I don't remember. I don't think we ever faced them, right? I mean, I don't really... I think it's going to be tough, though, at the weekend, because it's... No, that, that stadium, the fans will care, as you say, even if it's one-sided. They'll, they'll kind of... And who's going to be the, the mister? Is, is Davide... Nicola back after losing yeah, eight. Yeah, he's back. he's back. Yeah, yeah. He's back. He's back. I love Serie yeah. Completely perfect. <laughs> um, okay, this has been a bit of an epic, which is great. I've loved every single second of hearing about that UV game. It was almost like I was there. I hope you feel the same, listeners. Um, do you have a Neapolitan expression of the week for us, McKinney? Yes, even though it's a little bit forced, but I love it. You know, it's a Christmas saying, and it's something, it's more of an Easter saying, to be honest, but. It could be used on Christmas and Easter. So the meaning of of this saying, um, it's it's not literal, literal, but it's it could be used literally as well. I would say probably. So the, let me say the saying first. So the saying is "Adote fatta Pasqua, fatta pure Natale." Let me say it again: "Adote fatta Pasqua, fatta pure Natale." Um. In Italian it would be Dove sei stato a Pasqua stai anche a Natale. In English it would be um, where you were um, where you were uh, on Easter uh, be there for Christmas as well. So obviously like uh... most like more like like most Italian Neapolitan saying literally doesn't make much sense. But it's so like, I, I chose this because it's one of the most popular saying. Like you would use this, like in your everyday life, and uh, basically, uh, it's kind of like a long way to say no, which I love it. It's just like such a long way. It's hard to explain, literally, but it's kind of yeah. It's kind of when someone comes to you and says like, ah. Oh, you know, can I, you know, maybe someone said no, like you asked this guy to come to, I don't know, like a few drinks and he said no. And then you ask again and maybe he comes to you and say, oh yeah, can we go out this time? And then you tell them, you know, where you were on Christmas, on Easter, <laughs> like be there for Christmas. Or like, oh, yeah, I don't really care what you're saying, you know, go away, <laughs> fuck off. So it's like a, a long way to say no. But I chose this literally, mm-hmm. very much literally because, and I want to reverse the, the meaning of it because it's, the saying goes, where you were in, on Easter, be there for Christmas as well. It's, I, when I read it, I mean, it's going to be exactly right. Yeah, the other way around. Pleasure. So where, where we were on Christmas, I hope we're going to be there on Easter as well. 
I know it's a little bit forced, but you know, like I want you guys to know about this because I, I it's just funny. I just I, I love it. I remember my my grandma saying that all the time. It just it's just so funny. And I literally, that. I just I, I hope it becomes true. I hope that come Easter will be where we were on Christmas. Well, we're doing better than we were at Christmas. We're a point ahead now, aren't we? Because we were eight yeah. points clear at Christmas and now we're nine points clear. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy if we are five points ahead come Easter. I don't think it's a disaster, even though, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll I mean, see. we'll see. Such a weird, such a weird season. It's so weird, man. It's nine so points, weird. man. Nine points ahead. It doesn't make any sense. Nine points ahead? What? So I'm, I am enjoying it, though. Like, there was bits of, there was bits of, you know, I know we were playing so brilliantly in the build-up to Christmas, but there were bits of it that were really stressing me out because, I mean, we were talked about, the, our last show, we were talking about the Udinese game and the emotions in the stand. But I am enjoying it. And I did really enjoy that UV game. Although, thank God for Alex Meta, you know, that's safe. Amazing. Yeah. I, think, I think when I talked about that game with friends, I highlighted two moments. One was the Rui pressing and how Rui recovered that ball for the fourth goal. And the second moment was the second one was Meret save on Rachmani. Rachmani tried to make a lose this game in like every way possible. Basically. He a, he's not ready to come back. I don't know why he's playing. He's obviously not quite. I mean, his goal was amazing, but he was terrible yeah. against him. He was terrible against Right, uh, yeah. But that save was amazing, unbelievable. Like the more I see it, the more it's goal. like I feel like if what we hope is going to happen, will happen at the end of the season. I think that save is going to go into the highlights of the whole season because that save, it was, I think it was on the 2-1, right? Yeah, and, it was, and save, just before halftime, just literally on the, I think halftime was blown about 10 seconds later. Yeah, I don't really like saying this and I really like when people say this, but I feel like that is the save which could change a whole season. Because if you go 2-2, we dominated the game, right? But we are a strong team. We are also mentally much, much stronger, which is why we are nine points ahead. But you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, we and you saw have... that at the end of the second half, actually. The Juve really came back into it, you know. Exactly. So if you go 2-2, after you, you know, you went two, two goals up and you are... I'm pretty sure that you're going to win this because we're dominating the game. Then you go 2-2 at the end of the first half. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, Juventus comes on to the pitch, back to the pitch with a with a new enthusiasm and you maybe mm. don't. So I do feel like at the moment when, when that happened, it was in Curva, so I didn't really see it that well, but I could, and I immediately felt the importance of that save not just because of the moment, but also because it was so difficult. So difficult. One, I think one of the best things I've ever seen live. Oh, absolutely was... fantastic. And, you know, Napoli don't have a great history of fantastic goalkeepers. Like obviously, you've got, you got Pino Batman. He's my personal favourite. He can save penalties better than any other goalkeeper I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Dino's off, but he went to play for Ju- Juventus. If I was Spalletti, I'd be motivating Alex Merritt by saying, you know, come the end of the season, if something special happens, he's a good shout for a all all time inclusion. And I n- would never have said that a year ago. Would never have said that a year ago. But then he, you know, he saves a penalty in the Coppa d'Italia final that 
that that won us the cup as well. Um, right, it's very late in Paisley, and it's very late in Napoli. Well, it's not really that late. Um, that's been really cool. Okay, we're going to do more of these, aren't we, Michaela? We're going to be a bit more regular. It's tough because there's this fixture congestion, and it. You're really busy, Michaela. It's hard for us to all sometimes get it. Sense, but we're going to be giving you more of this. Um, if you like the show, please do follow us on Twitter at Shadow of Vesuvio. Where can we find you on Twitter, Michaela? And the Roma tickets have just been released, right? What the, the the Roma tickets? Yeah, they've been released last week. They are oh, selling shit. fast, 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 fast. You can find me at Napoli Tickets, and there's also a hidden account which I'm not really using, but I'm gonna start to use sooner or later, which is a little bit more personal. I really want to start using it for like personal takes because I use okay. the Napoli Tickets account for the. It's your like, business info. account. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So we can I have, get I have your, stuff. Can get your I take. have stuff to say, though. I have stuff to say on Twitter. I, I'm not a big social media guy, but I really want to, like, every once in. in a while. Yeah, yeah. Come, come on in. in. The water's lovely. Yes. Okay. Um, well, when you've got that up and running, you have to tell us. Um, yeah, I'm at Henry Barcalcio. This is part of the Far From Vesuvius network, at Far From Vesuvius. Uh, do check out the other shows. Napoli Rant is brilliant. Uh, we gave a shout out to Dan Amaria's new venture. Napoli Nation TV that's on YouTube uh, and also I just wrote an article about Napoli Juve for Joe Fischetti's great website the Forza Napoli Press the community is really coming together it's really good um, I hope everyone has a great time watching the Salernitana game and it's great to be back in it Michele doing these shows it is it is I really missed it yeah same here Forza Napoli sempre Yeah.